This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me again. I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. It's with one of my all-time favorite actors in a new show about one of my all-time favorite subjects, the Hollywood Golden Age. Now, Holland Taylor is one of those actors who's done everything. She's a theater legend. Her TV career got started on the show Bosom Buddies with Tom Hanks. She's an Emmy winner for her role as Judge Roberta Kittleson on The Practice. She's been in films like The Truman Show and was my favorite law professor in Legally Blonde. We saw her just recently as Roger Ailes' secretary in Bombshell. And now she plays the great new character Ellen Kincaid, a studio exec in Netflix's new series Hollywood. But first, guys, you've heard me mention Pop Culture Confidential Premium, and I just want to say a few more words. By becoming a monthly or yearly member, you'll get things like early access to interviews, bonus materials, gifts, and mostly just really support the work so that we can continue to be ad-free and bring you lots of interviews. So if you can and want to, subscribe here, popcultureconfidential.supportingcast.fm. And now, on with the show. Hollywood is the upcoming limited series by producer Ryan Murphy, who's frequently collaborated with Holland Taylor's partner, Sarah Paulson, in hits like American Horror Story. Besides Holland Taylor, Hollywood also stars Broadway icon Patti Lapone, Darren Criss, Queen Latifah, and Dylan McDermott. The show follows a group of aspiring actors and filmmakers in post-World War II Hollywood trying to make it in the business. Dylan McDermott plays the owner of Golden Tip Gas Station based on a real place. It was a gas station on Hollywood Boulevard frequented by numerous celebrities, many of them who were hiding their sexuality. A semi-covert callboy operation that when using the code word, I want to go to dreamland, you were serviced, so to speak. Hollywood mixes real and fictional characters, and it presents an alternative version of history during the Golden Age, spotlighting unfair systems and race, gender, and sexual discrimination. This town's all about dreams, and some of my customers don't just come here for gas. What's the password again? Dreamland. Dreamland. I want to go to Dreamland. Get in the car with them, have a drink maybe. You know, sometimes... Sometimes you have to service. No, I came here to be a movie star. I want to take the story of Hollywood and give it a rewrite. Ace has a picture that we're very excited about. It's about fame and what Hollywood does to people. This is our screenwriter, Archie Coleman. Pleasure to meet you. You're colored. I love it. If we change the way that movies are made, I think you can change the world. I want you to be the star. Really? If you want something, you have to declare it. I'll do anything. I am not just a star. I am a star maker. Holland Taylor spoke to me about the series, her own dreams when she started her Hollywood journey, and more. Miss Taylor, hi. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to talk to you. Hi, Christina. 
Thank you so much. I'm glad to talk with you myself. Um, several of the people in the story are real characters. Rock Hudson, for example. Yes. There's the famous, I, I understand that the gas station where sort of Hollywood sex workers mingled with celebrities also was based on, on truth, so there's both places and people. Uh, absolutely. I actually even knew the man who owned that gas station. Oh, did you? I mean, who ran that gas station, yeah. So, yeah, there's a book, there's a book about him, Scotty Bowers. I thought it was such a humor. I loved how it said lubrication on the back of the wall the whole time, in the beginning when you didn't quite know what was going on in there. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was the seamy side of, the seamy side of Hollywood. And was Ellen inspired by anyone? Uh, well, she really modeled more on a type. There's a kind of, in the 40s, a kind of uh, very, very smart, savvy, competent, cheeky kind of person often played by like a Rosalind Russell. And uh, so sort of a person of enormously attractive, and, but very smart and very capable. And, of course, Ellen is a professional woman. She, she is a, a studio executive in the early days when she, you, she could think of her as almost early marketing. She, she guides the stars on how they should behave. She is a spotter of talent. She's a groomer of talent. She is a, 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 actually a teacher. Behave like this. This is how to behave. And she um, says, we should make this movie. We shouldn't make this movie. So she's a person of real authority, but she's, and she's, it's not even anything that she would think of in those terms, but she is a, an equal with men in that she has no hesitancy in expressing her opinion around them. And, and she also has tremendous charm and goodwill. And by charm, I mean um, a, a desire to make people comfortable, an ability to make people comfortable, Cheeky, fun, uh, enlivening, serious, smart, uh, wonderful qualities to play in a character. Janet Mock said recently about Hollywood the series, Hollywood is a love letter to our little industry town where dreamers dwell and stars are born. Um, I'd like to know, what were your Hollywood dreams? What did they look like before you were a star? Thank you for the star uh, description. I, I, I very rarely think of myself that way. Uh, I, you know, I never, first of all, when I came up as an actress, I w was in the theater, and I actually had no ambitions about Hollywood at all. I wasn't uh, great looking. I didn't think, I didn't have any sense that, of wanting to be in the movies, which seemed much more about the glamour, the glamour of the look than, than the, the literature of the piece itself. And I also liked the life of the theater, which is a quite demanding life, quite different from equally demanding uh, expectations of, of the movie industry. But that, that was the, the theater was the life that I liked. And uh, I was in it almost exclusively for the first 15 years of my career. And then I started to come out here for jobs. And mind you, a lot of the time I was very motivated by making a living. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, I might have had aspirations for, I mean, I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a Broadway staple. I wanted to always be working in Broadway shows, and I've had, I've had my share of luck there. But the theater, like all industries, have, has changed very much. Uh, there were lots and lots of plays to be in back in the day, and uh, there could be a run of only a couple of months that would be considered a respectable run. And so it's sort of a busier life, and now there are these great, long, gargantuan hits that they want to keep producing. So it's a very 
a very different world. And also the Hollywood family back in those, even when I first came out here in the 80s, was just such a much smaller world. And now it's just so vast. Right. The entertainment industry is a vast one with nations of people in it. And uh, back in the 40s, this time when the show was taking place, was a very romantic period, really, when you think about it, because pretty much anybody who was anybody in Hollywood, they all knew one another. It was a much more familial feeling. And like the the original Oscars were given in a big, you know, like a ballroom in a hotel with at tables. They were, you know, they were and not, you know, and everybody was there. And now you couldn't fit everybody in sports stadium. Well, this show, what it does so well is it really shows the hurdles and injustices that both in behind and in front of the camera. Um, what were some of yes. the main hurdles that you encountered during the path, your path? Well, I was just, you know, a woman trying to, in the theater, you, there's much more interesting parts for women generally, even even today. I mean, the average movie script, a lot of movies are written to some sort of formula to try and get a sellable script and a, a sellable project that can be bankrolled by a star or three stars. And um, they're often very formulaic. And the, the role is, you know, the, the wife, the friend of the wife, the sidekick, uh, whereas the stories about men are, are usually much more, much more interesting and much more, much more detailed in terms of what kind of people the guys are. And so there's still a lot, an awful lot of cliche writing for women. But when I first came out here, there was very, very rarely was was there really a good role. So they were few and far between. And here there's so many. Yeah. And also such a powerful cast and crew um, representing transgender rights activists and Janet Mock and yes. gay and straight, older actresses, all backgrounds. Yeah. How did this aid in telling the story? Well, first of all, leave it to Ryan to uh, put together such mm -hmm. a diverse group and give, leave it to Ryan to cast a lot of older actors in roles. I mean, the, I'm playing a wonderful really strongly featured role in this story who's a very compelling and interesting character. And and I'm way up there. and It's just enormously flattering to be cast. But also, Joe Mantello... You and Patty should just get those Emmys sent to you already. Oh, Patty, no. you guys are together are just amazing. Well, we, we had a great time together. It was really something to work with Patty. Believe me, I may have known Patty for 50-some years, uh, casually, just in passing you know, at award shows and things, but but to know her personally and to work with her was just really a thrill, and she's uh, very much uh, a regular girl, except when he, she opens her mouth, and she's, you know, she sings constantly. She sings little snippets of things. She sings in a joking kind of way and lightly. She'll warm up in her in, in her trailer. Her room is right next to mine when we were on location once. And I'm thinking to myself, Patty Lapone is right on the other side of that wall, <laughs> warming up. It's Patty Lapone, guys. So was, that was great fun. There's just such an enormous range of people in our show, and Ryan has an uncanny sense of knowing what an actor can deliver and some quality that they might not, not even know they have. He twigs into, and uh, I was just enormously thrilled to be thrown into this group of people. And we were a family, and so they, they did get, we did have a feeling of old Hollywood because when we walked, the, uh, we were shooting on Sunset Garrow where we walked that lot, I mean, it did feel that village sense of, oh, you know, there's the butcher, there's the candlestick maker, there's the sheriff. I mean, there was just a sense of smallness and intimacy 
that must have been what it was like back in the day. Now, you were mentioning Ellen Kincaid, your wonderful character. Now, she's, what can I say, righting wrongs. She's helping up-and-comers in Hollywood regardless of, of background. And recently I saw you in Bombshell where you're playing Roger Ailes' secretary, a woman who seemed to see past her boss's crimes, sort of completely the opposite yes. of helping the up-and-comers. Yes. What, what did you learn from playing two women, specifically in, in, in the different ends of this spectrum? People have commented on that role. I mean, I did, I did that as kind of a lark. I just wanted to be, I don't even have any Billy in that picture. I, don't, I just said, just, oh no, just leave me out. I just want to be in the picture because I, I mm-hmm. really admire, and I, and I came to enjoy him very much. I hadn't known Jay Roach, but I admire Roach Pictures very much, and I wanted to be in one, and then I loved him personally. Those dames are all incredible. Uh, What's important is just to really know something true and essential about your character and what what she's doing, what matters to her. That character that I was playing, I knew very little about, an actual historical person who was working for her. What I did know was that she was paid a million bucks plus a year. I thought that is a very highly paid person, and so... I just surmised from that that she did, she performed services for him and she performed a function for him that was critical and trusted and essential. And so, so it just gives you a certain validity when, you know, you're sitting at a desk and you're basically the barrier between anyone coming to see him and him. And I don't know, it's just a keenness of understanding, which is what you really have to have to play a character. You have to understand something in a keen way. And once you do, then you have a tremendous authority in your performance. But, uh, but because I had the opportunity to really understand what validated my character, that's why I could play it uh, well. And I feel I have a real good understanding about what Ellen Kincaid was all about as well. Um, Ryan has said that this is um, a dream. This is what would have happened if Hollywood would have made the right choices, if we would, if we would have made, righted some wrongs in terms of representation. Have things changed for the LGBTQ community in Hollywood today, would you say? Well, I would say so. I mean, uh, certainly there's been a real effort to cast people uh, and to have characters who are from that world. I mean, somebody asked me in an earlier interview, have, have I ever played... Uh, and I can't. I always get the letters wrong. Give me the letters: L B T G Q A B C D E F G. And I actually have not played. I actually have not played a character. Now, not that I can think of offhand. And I suppose it's partly because of my my generation. My I'm not. I'm not of the generation. I'm two generations earlier than than uh, the generation that would be cast in that way. So I, I haven't been. But uh, I certainly think that the work that they've done in Hollywood to show those characters and to and to show in a kind of raw way the the sense of hiding that um, people from that epoch had to had to do, and it was really heartbreaking to think of it, and therefore very all the more touching when you see someone buck the system and say we're not going to do that, uh, and you it, it's it's. I experienced those scenes with a kind of rue. This is quite makes me quite sad in a way. Gosh, think if somebody would mm-hmm. have done that. So, looking back at something with sorrow because of the omissions and the fears and the and the absence of good choices and brave choices. Exactly. Uh, so I suppose potentially you could say you can't prove it, but you could say potentially that would encourage people to 
be more thoughtful and more willing to take a risk in modern times. And it seems to be that that is happening. I mean, it is a very, very different world in terms of uh, casting people nowadays. Um, Ms. Taylor, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you so much to Holland Taylor. Hollywood premieres on Netflix on May 1st. And thank you for listening. Please follow Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a moment, please rate and review the show. It really helps others to find us. Thank you so much. Stay safe and see you next time. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.